And welcome to episode number 121 of the Average Man Podcast. Oh no, having some microphone dramas here. Hey, um, Tickets. Tickets is the name of that song. Tickets is the name of this episode. That's another um, band I just found on Triple J Unearthed. And it was actually the first band that popped up when I... um, first band that popped up when I clicked on the Triple J Unearthed page, I thought oh, I could pour through some of the music on there and um, find some find some tracks for intro songs. It was like the first, they were like a feature band for the week. Um, so I thought, all right, sweet, let's run with that. Um, I'll get some super, super Sticky Fingers vibes from them if you're familiar with Sticky Fingers. Um, yeah, I get big Sticky Finger vibes from them, I reckon. Um, cruisy sort of tune, man. really like their vibe kind of a, a, there's a little bit of reggae sort of, um, yeah, reggae, scary type fuck kind of vibe to them in there, and uh, they've got terrible hair, they've all got terrible hair, they're like young Perth, um, they're, they're from Perth, they're young sort of Perth lads, and you notice like, um, I'm old now, man, I'm 38, 39 this year, you know, the kids have got these these weird haircuts and shit now, it's definitely like a real 80s vibe that's, that's like... Um, you know, it's popular again. And these dudes have got that that hair where it's it's long. Some of them have got like the fringe. Um, it's kind of fluffy hair. It's kind of in again for some reason. Um, and like a lot of people, long hair tuck it behind their ears, and then it like kind of buffs out around their shoulders. And it's a deliberate look for sure. I don't know what it's called. I don't know what you call uh, that that look, but it's a definite it's a definite thing. I don't know what the kids are calling it, man. Um, yeah, I'm super out of touch. I don't know the styles. I don't know the different names of different kind of um, trends and shit that that are going around anymore. Just too old to care, mate. Too old to care about what's trendy and what's not. I'm just um, surviving from week to week with young kids, mate. Young kids and full time work. Um, it's you know, speaking of that, it's been pretty hard to to do the old um, podcast consistent consistently lately with work. Um, and the kids and everything else that goes on. Like last weekend, I had the kids flat out. The missus was down in Perth. She had to go down there to for a like a, a hospital based exercise. Um, that I won't go into. But you know, so I had the kids for for myself on my own for the weekend. And um, and yeah, it could just be bloody hard to find time, mate. I kind of. It's funny, I think I planned on, on recording a podcast last Saturday night when the kids were in bed, and then I flicked on the TV, sort of as they were in bed dropping off, and um, I put on uh, this TV show alone that I'd heard someone else talking about, um, it was on some binge TV series, so it was like a reality show, which I'm not really into reality shows, but I chucked it on, I thought I'd check it out, and I kind of just got hooked on it, and was like four episodes deep. And, and sort of ready for bed before I realised that oh, I just blew my chance to do the podcast. I was supposed to put the kids to sleep and, and go out to the caravan and record the bloody podcast. I've sat here and binge-watched. And binge, that's what they call it, binge. They bloody get you. sat here and binge-watched this, this alone uh, reality TV show, which is like... I'm actually kind of into, hey, to be honest. So the premise is, I'm in season two now. The, the premise is they get 10 contestants and they send them out into the wilderness. Um, so far, both seasons have been in like um, on Vancouver Island, so the Pacific Northwest. They send them out to Vancouver Island in like um, autumn, coming into, coming into winter and see how long they can survive. They're on their own. They get like a pack, a survival pack. They get like, uh, I think, there's some staples that they get and then there's a list of 40 items they can choose 10 from so you know they get a sleeping bag they get a couple of tarps a flint to make fire um, and then you can choose some other some other um, sort of um, materials from the list to take with you and then um, basically they try and survive as long as they can there's like there's bears out there you see bears coming into people's campsites and hanging around there's wolves there's coyotes you hear them going off in the in the distance specifically the wolves you hear them like howling in the distance and stuff and there's like a big there's a big uh, uh, population of them out there apparently so 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 they stick them out there in the in the bloody woods uh, and they see how long they can survive for, and they got their own cameras, so they have to film themselves, and they got like five cameras or something each, um, and so, you know, they, they film their own shit, and, and they see how long they can go for. 
um, it's pretty funny. There's this one dude, the first dude, who's talking about how tough he is. He's a cop. He's in, you know, he's in law enforcement, and he reckons um, I'm used to dealing with people who act like wild animals. When I'm in a difficult situation, I'm a fight type person. This is the way the guy talks, man. And um, the first night he had a, a black bear sniffing around his his campsite, so he hits the um. They've got like a sat phone. All of them got a sat phone, so he he calls up. The, the rescue team on the sat phone gets pulled out the next morning. He lasts one bloody night. I think somebody else bailed on the second night and the third night. And by the end of the first week, there's only a handful of them left. And then I can't remember how long it took to whittle it down to, to four guys. But um, basically the last four guys were, were all troopers and they, they survived for bloody ages, man. Because it's like, it's super hard to even get a fire out there. So they got this flint, to, to start a fire with but like it rains 200 days a year I think they say they get uh, like average of is it is it oh, how many inches a, a month was it they get some ridiculous amount of water there um, and everything's wet all the wood's wet you gotta they have to have you have to know the proper techniques to get a fire going up there which is basically it's a soft kind of wood so they kind of they whittle the wood down and peel it so they hold a piece of the, the, the stick and, and like peel pieces of the stick off with their knife and, and so it kind of curls up and you, and you do that in, in thin sections to the wood all the way around and then that's, that's what you light the fire off so you're, you're getting it really thin and you get into the centre of the timber where it's a bit drier and then you need to use that to spark your, your fire up obviously on, on like um, you get a little handful of, of dry leaves or um, you know dry grass use that to spark it and get your ember going and then they put that on, on that sort of whittled away timber. But a lot of people couldn't even start a fire. You gotta boil your water there because you know you can catch water from the sky but you gotta boil anything you get out of the ground and or off the ground. And they just couldn't last, mate. But these last four dudes were such badasses and they're all some of them aren't you know, one of them was really unsuspecting sort of character, looked like a bit of a nerd kind kind of dude. Um but he was it was super interesting. You build a boat, um, like a boat frame, and use the tarp, wrap that around to make a, an actual boat that floats. We could go out and do some fishing. They had some fishing line and stuff. A lot of them set some cool traps up. They set trot lines up, so a line from one, you know, like you tie between two points with like four or, or more hooks hanging off it to do fishing. They had a, uh, they also had a, a gill a gill net that they could set up between a certain area, and there was pretty big tides. I think their tides could be. Uh, they're in, it's in feet, so I don't know, they're like, they're pretty big tides, four or five meter tides or something like that, um, so then the low tide, you go out, you set your net, and then, and the, you know, in, in a good little catchment area, and then on high tide, obviously the, the fish come through that area, hopefully, and you, and you snag on your net, you go out on the next low tide, and ho- hopefully you got a, a, a salmon, there's a lot of salmon, some other kind of shitty fish out there, you got hopefully you got a, a fish caught in your net, so you see them fishing like that, um, uh, the dude made the, the the boat out of his out of you know a stick frame that that he that he built a wooden frame he built and his tarp. He also made um, his second shelter. I think he made two or three shelters, but his second shelter or third shelter that he made was a, a yurt, so like a, a Turkish style um, tent, you know, kind of thing with a hole in the top for your smoke to come out of so you can have a fire in inside your tent so you're cooking and eating and stuff inside your tent all nice and warm all the smoke comes up out the top just super cool man uh you ended up making a guitar as well out of fishing fishing wire a three-string guitar and playing himself some little tunes and they made some really cool traps um and like they dude the dudes that that so all four of them are pretty badass and they basically sort of the idea is the last person to tap out to call the rescue team to come get them is the winner and you win $500,000. They don't know who else has, they've had no communications and they don't know who else is still in it, who who's quit, who's given up. So you don't know if there's 10 people left, if there's five people left, three, two, one, you don't know. You just like, you really, it's just, you've got to compete against yourself, which was cool about it. And because they're the ones filming it, I'm not a real reality TV, I'm not, I'm not a reality TV guy at all. It actually really bothers me, that shit. But because they are the ones filming it, um, the producers have very little opportunity to, to stick their finger in the in the, in the the thing and fuck it up. You know, they can edit it. They obviously edit it, but it's not voiceovered. 
Um, you know, there's not producers in the guy's ears saying, say this and do that and asking them gay questions to, to, um, to fucking get a certain kind of reaction out of them, you know. Like, I'm sure they had some training before they went out there and told them when to film, what to film, and, you know, try and tell us how you're feeling each day, blah, 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 and some guidance. But that's, they're out there, they're not, for weeks and weeks without anyone telling them what to do. So it's really quite raw. And I mean, in the end, the the dudes that dropped off, they dropped off for different reasons. One guy, he goes, I've just had enough. This is the Yurt guy. I've just had enough. I've just proven what I needed to come out here to prove. I've, I've gotten past the insecure stage. I've dealt with some shit because they're there on their own, just in their own head. No phone, no music, no alcohol, no, no one else to talk to, no escape from your own thoughts. So these people are like really working through some shit in their own head while they're out there. And... He goes, I've just done what I need, came here to do. I know I can survive out here. I know I can kind of thrive out here. Um, and, and as they got into winter, the animals disappeared. The bears, the wolves, the coyotes, there's no small game. Like that shit all disappeared. So they kind of had to live off fish. Those fish, seaweed, some small, small little shellfish and snails and shit like that out there. Um, but they were like, he's like, I can do I can do this. I'm, I'm, I'm done. I've got nothing else to prove. So he, he tapped out. The next guy had a sick mum who he was she'd been diagnosed with cancer before he left, and he had a wife and young kids and stuff. And he's like, you know, I just I'm the same. I've, I've proven what I needed to prove to myself. I don't want to miss more time with my mum. It's coming close to Christmas. I just I want to I want to go home. I'm done. So he he tapped out, and then the second last guy he didn't think he was he was going to go. And to be honest, he he shouldn't have lasted as long as he did. He he wasn't as efficient as the other guys. His shelter was shit, and it was kind of in the open. Uh, it was not a good shelter. He wasn't catching heaps of fish and seafood. He wasn't fishing really at all. He was eating, you know, he got quite skinny throughout the whole thing and he was trying setting up little traps, catching mice and shit like that. And just He just didn't have the same skills and, and he wasn't thriving like the other guys, but he was, just a, he was just a tough bastard mentally and he was just toughing it out and making it work. And then he had a pregnant wife at home, so he had to call it eventually and just tapped out and said, you know, I'm going mad, I'm starving, it's getting colder, I'm not going to get any better out here and I just need to, you know, throw the towel in. And it was 56 days, man. They were out there for 56 days and harsh conditions. The forest, like the the, the, the temperate rainforest, so they've got little beaches near them somewhere and then back from that, it's thick forest. You can't just walk through it. It's like thick, thick forest, man. Everything's wet. It was a pretty harsh condition. Cool show, man. And the dude that won, he was the guy I liked the most as well. He was quite cool, very... um introspective poetic sort of guy you know um he got quite skinny he's a big guy but he got quite skinny comparatively um in his time out there as well but he was thriving man he was catching some good fish and um when they catch a fish you just see how happy they are you know he set some cool fish traps up that he made out of plastic bottles to get for small bait fish and times he'd have bait you know little fish made up into a stew with some some limpets or other things and some seaweed in there every now and then they catch a big salmon um, his shelter was really cool. He made a shelter not just out of his tarps and sticks, but he made it like a, a fr- built a frame out of some logs and then sort of used um, foliage, um, ferns as like shingles, and it was pretty cool. It was like a cabin type thing built into the to the to the um, landscape, nice and sheltered as well. Um, pretty cool, man. And when they came and got him, he was like, "Oh man." Oh, you know, like, so soon. I was planning to be here till the spring, like, see the winter out kind of thing. He'd settled into it. They all said that the, the mental part of it was the hardest, being on your own with your own thoughts for so long. And I kind of feel like the fact that they could tap out at any moment is actually probably harder than knowing that you were, if you were literally out there on your own, you had to survive. You would kind of forget about the idea of of I can get out of here, and you just focus on surviving. But they always have in the back of their mind, in their back pocket, that hey, you know, I can just tap out whenever I want. I can just I can just call that number and just go home. I don't have to be here. So I reckon that kind of fucks with them a little bit. And apparently, the solitary, like the solidarity, is was the hardest thing for for those guys who actually knew how to survive. But it was pretty cool, man. And now I'm on to season two, and it's a it's not as good as season one. The characters aren't as good, but um, you know, the contestants aren't as good, and they kind of because it's a bigger thing now. I think they had three and a half thousand 
uh, applicants for this this time around. So it's a bit more of a show, but still cool. The concept's cool. One of the dudes is building a pretty cool shelter, so we'll see how it goes. I'm only in the early stages of that. It's just so funny hearing the bravado of some of the contestants talking it up, how hard they are and what they've done and all the great things they've done in life. And then you see how easily they tap out. I'm not saying I wouldn't tap out if there's a bear sniffing around my campsite or something like that, but... Just, you know, the, the the lack of humility and the fact that they're on this show to survive in one of the harshest conditions, you know, on earth, and, and they last a night or two nights or something. It's just like, damn. On season two, a dude doesn't last a, a night. They drop him off there, and he sees some bear shit and stuff like that, and he's like, this ain't for me, man. This is not for me. And he calls him up, and he gets, t- he gets taken out before he's even spent one night. Like, that dude... How did he even get a spot? Because you have to like go through some tests to show that you're actually a survivalist. You know, you got to go show that you've got some survival skills. They're supposed to be like um, self-announced survival experts. And oh, old boy, old mate, doesn't last a night, man. It was super embarrassing. But um, yeah, that kind of fucked up my um, podcast timing last week, and I just missed the boat. And I was like, I when it clicked, I was like, I was four episodes deep, and I was like. I didn't watch, I didn't, I didn't do my podcast, what am I doing, what are you doing, you muppet, and it was just too late, it was gone, so, um, I'm trying my best, man, and, you know, next weekend's Easter, I'm going to Broome for a long weekend, so, I won't be able to do one next weekend either, so it's very disjointed at the moment, I think half of Headland's going to be in Easter next weekend as well, from what I can gather, speaking to people around town. You know, it's, it's that time you just you want to get out of Headland. We've been in in here for four months since Christmas. Uh, it's still hot. It's the last death throes of summer. It's just just holding on. Um, I'm hoping that we go. It's a hot week next week. It's like 38, 39 again. I'm hoping that we go to Broome, spend a time on the beach with the canopy up, all set up in the afternoons, and now I can cook out there. I got me induction cooker, and we got the fridge there, and I'll have shade, and we'll lay down our mat outside the um, outside the canopy on the ute, and hang out there for the afternoon, cook some dinner there and shit, spend some uh, some good quality time down the beach in the evenings and the afternoons. And um, I'm hoping that when we get back, there's a pool at the caravan park we're staying to. And when we get back, I'm hoping that that's summer fucked. You know, I'm hoping that summer's, this is it. It's last fucking, rah, I'm going to be hot for another week or so. And then like it just fucking snaps and it's dead when we come back. And it starts cooling off and the night's cool off and the morning's cool off. And hopefully within a couple of weeks from now, I'll be able to spark the first fire up, mate. I'm going to be so bloody flint like they do in the survival show. <laughs> nah, fucking with you. But um, I'm just really over the summer. I think everybody is, man. Um, be good to be good to shift gears and start getting into some fucking trackies in the night time and the flannel on and get the fire going. I just I like I like that, man. It's nice to be cold sometimes and be able to rug up, you know. Get back to that beautiful summer, uh, beautiful winter weather we get up here in Headland, man. You know, um, it's a changing world, mate. The seasons are changing. The restrictions are bloody peeling away it's like um pretty sure that the stage we're in right now is just that covid did not do what did not come as advertised when it finally hit us here in wa it's not tearing through the community and i mean it, it is everyone's getting it but it's not fucking everyone up and the hospitals aren't full and we're not like leaving our dead out on the sidewalk for the fucking for the the fucking dead truck to come pick up every Thursday afternoon to go bury him in mass graves. The hospital system hasn't collapsed. It's just like it didn't go down like that as advertised. So, you know, and I know that, yeah, it's Omicron or it's not as strong as all the other fucking, you know, there's Delta and all that shit. But the fact of the matter is, it is Omicron. It is fucking basically fuck all and it's not, was not worth fucking our entire existence up for. Um, and they just don't want to admit that, so they're just like, well, even though nothing's really fucking happening, no one cares about it, everyone's fucking had it, and it's not a big deal, we'll just slowly ease the restrictions, because heaven forbid we actually, we, Mark McGowan, actually 
puts his hand up and goes, you know what, it's not that bad as uh, as we said it was going to be. There's not really a whole lot of bad shit happening. We fucked up. We should have just let you guys run free from Christmas onwards. So sorry for fucking your lives up for another four months. Um, yeah, let's just fucking call it. Let's just call it. Call it a day. Fuck them. Throw the mask in the bin. Fucking don't worry about the fucking jabs. Uh, go back to fucking work, travel, do it all. Throw your fucking rat test in the bin. No one gives a fuck. If you're sick, stay home like normal people, like like a normal human fucking reaction to a, an illness. Um, but they won't do that. They'll slowly go, no, 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 we have to fucking now. slowly open it up. We're on stage two now and fucking all the, all the bullshit. But no one cares. Do you care? No, no one cares. We all know someone that's had it now. We all know multiple multiple people that's had it. Oh, just it's like whatever. Fucking kids in my kids' classes have had it and shit. They haven't got it yet. We've been had we've had to test them a couple of times, but I just don't care. Fuck over it. It's it's old news. I'm so happy it's, you can see that the end of this bloody thing. And they know there's gonna be more variants and shit. But we don't care anymore. Fuck all. Just get on with our bloody lives. Hopefully the unvaccinated people can go back to friggin' work soon. Like that's that's some bullshit right there. Well, I'd love to see what the unemployment rate is now. I haven't heard those figures for a while. Coming up to election time as well. What's the unemployment rate in Australia right now, you fucking muppets? Anyway, let's get away from that shit. Big UFC tomorrow. Big UFC tomorrow. Um, excuse me, I'll just have a sip of the old... It's just water. It's just yellow water. I don't even know if it's yellow. I'm fucking colorblind. Useless prick. Um, tequila? Is tequila yellow? Like a yellowy tinge to it? You tell me. Amber? Would you call it amber? You'd probably call it amber, wouldn't you? Look, there's big UFC tomorrow. Uh, the featherweight champ, your boy, Alexander the Great, Alexander Volkanovsky, the Australian featherweight champion of the world and a bad motherfucker to boot, um, is defending his belt. We've got a few champs and and up and comers and um you know people making noise in ufc from coming from out of australia and new zealand nowadays man so we've had a champ robert whittaker he was the middleweight champ he lost the belt to a new zealand cat israel adesanya who's on his way to being probably the middleweight goat he's he's gonna he's got a bit of work ahead of him but he's got all the skills uh um and the x factor to challenge anderson silver as middleweight goat um, and Robert Whittaker's still right there. He can do other things in the sport if he changes direction, um, pivots, does goes another another direction with it, maybe goes back down a welterweight, who knows. Uh, we have Taito Avasa, who's the heavyweight, who's knocking, knocking people out left, right and centre and doing shoeys in the octagon and just tearing it up, um, making waves. And then some really good fighters throughout, spread out. But yeah, but these are the top, the top tier guys. And then yeah, Alexander Volkanovsky, who is the featherweight champion of the world, beat he beat Max Holloway twice, and he beat Jose Aldo, Jose Aldo twice. Now they're both they're both considered the welterweight goats. Probably Max Volk, uh, Max Holloway number one, Jose Aldo number two. You could bounce those those guys around either way in most people's minds and Alex has beat them both he beat Max twice um, so he's the real deal man he's fighting the Korean zombie Jan Sung Jung who's a legit dude heavy heavy like heavy hands real good judo and, and submission artist tough guy quite dynamic just comes forward and throws big bombs and you know he does, he's not afraid of a war hence the, the nickname the Korean zombie but really, unless something goes wrong and you know, he catches Volkanovski or something, he really should get dealt with. Um, and Alexander's not the kind of guy, I don't think you're just going to hit with one punch and put him away. He's shown that he's really super hard to submit. So, I don't know, I, I just, I don't see the Korean Zombie doing it. I really think Volkov's going to beat him. I think he's going to be a champ for another couple of years at least. I think he's, I think he's that good. He's, he's a real deal. And the Yanks were slow to come around to him because he's not, he doesn't have the X factor like as in marketing wise. He's he's, he's likable and, and a cool guy and um, a good champion, 
but he doesn't have like that Conor McGregor style sort of X factorness to him, or even a Max Holloway who's like the Hawaiian, really cruisy. A lot of people like you know, uh, really in his corner. Volkov's he does all of his work in the octagon, and he's undeniable in the octagon. So they're slowly coming around. It's one of those guys that you have to grudgingly go, oh man, okay. Okay, he beat my favorite fighter twice. Okay, he beat another t- really tough guy, fucking Dustin Ortega. Oh, okay, he's beat fucking this guy. Oh, okay, man, this guy's kind of undeniable as the, the absolute undisputed champion of the world. So that's kind of where he's at at the moment. People have ran out of excuses as to why someone else is better than him. He's not the underdog anymore. People have admitted his, how good he is, so I just want to see him continue that, that on and really dominate for another couple of years. Um, and he's good everywhere. He's got wrestling. He's got submissions. He's good at striking. His cardio is phenomenal. Um, he's just he's got the whole thing, man. He's the whole shooting match. Work work ethic is is um second to none. Uh, the Cam McCone main event is the bantamweight title fight. Now these two cats have fought to, fought before. What happened there? These two cats have fought uh once before. Um, it was weird because. Uh, Peter Yarn was the champion and he fought Aljamain Sterling and he was beating the shit out of Aljamain Sterling. It might have been a, a vacant belt. He was beating the shit out of Aljamain Sterling and then hit him with an illegal knee. So Aljo was on the floor and he hit him in the face, square in the face, which is a legal knee, and Aljo couldn't continue. So they disqualified Peter Yarn. And gave the belt to Aljo, who was getting the shit kicked out of him. He's the champion now. In a fight, he was getting his ass kicked in because the other guy got disqualified. And then he's been injured, so he hasn't been able to fight him. So it was like two years ago. So it was a weird setup. Your champion is was getting his ass kicked by the guy who he's fighting again now. So money's on Peter Yarn. He's a Russian cat. Real good boxer. He's good everywhere. Again, he's sort of like a bit like uh, a Volkanovski. He's sort of a, a smaller version of Volkanovski. Um, good boxing, kickboxing, wrestling. You know, I haven't. I don't know what his submission game's like, but uh, he's hard to ca- take down and keep down. He's beat a lot of the greats as well. Um, he's he's a he's a hard cat, hard character. And considering the way their last fight went, I think he's he's going to get it. I think he's going to be too hard, too fast. And he's going to break Aljo down, and eventually we might even TKO him. He'll definitely, I think, he'll win that fight and become your new champ. And then the the third fight on the card, or third fight from the top of the card, is one I'm really excited about. Not a title fight, but there's this cat called um, Hamzat Chemayev. He's a Chechen fella, and uh, he's got a heap of hype behind him. Man, he is ten and zero. Uh, in his MMA career, four and O in the UFC, he's been punched once in his UFC career. He smashes dudes, annihilates them, just grabs them, takes them down, beats the fuck out of them. All all of his ten wins are all stoppages. Um, he just toys with guys and and just smashes them. And the all the hype is behind him. And I love an exciting up and coming fighter with hype behind him. You know, I just love that. Excuse me. When Conor McGregor was on the come up, you know, just him talking himself up, telling you what he's going to do in his fights, going out there and destroying guys, knocking them out in the round he said he was going to knock them out in, promoting himself, building that hype. You'd see that from the ground up in like 2012, 13, when he started talking about getting a title fight. I'm going to be the champ by the end of the year. I was in Bali when he knocked out. Jose Aldo, who we spoke about before, who was the featherweight goat, was undefeated for like 11 years. He'd lost one fight, his first fight in his entire career, and just was smashing people. Connor said he was going to knock him out. Said he was going to, he's, he's going to counter him and knock him out with the left hand, and he knocked the dude out in 13 seconds and took the belt and just built this entire legacy around it. He, 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 he won the fights he needed to win. He won them impressively. He called his shots. He built uh, a career and took advantage of the momentum behind him and created a, a, an entire brand. And we all know who Conor McGregor is these days. And watching that happen was so exciting. And you're always looking for the next one. Who's the next one to come up and do that? And there's a couple of guys who might be able to make those sort of ways. So far, no one's going to be make a splash as big as as big as Connor did. But um, this comes at oh, Hamzat Shemaev. 
is he's a prospect to, to do that. His attitude, he just wants to fight. I just want to smash everyone. I'll smash them all. He's got this crazy hair lip thing going on, this big crazy beard. He's just a, he's a nasty looking dude. He speaks with this crazy accent. He just wants to fight and he smashes dudes, man. His last fight, he picked the dude up in the middle of the octagon just picked the guy up, carried him over to where Dana White was sitting and just smashed it. He's talking to Dana White as he's carrying him over, smashes him down. He's not even looking at his opponent. He's looking at Dana White, talking to him, and then just smashes this guy and then just chokes him out, chokes him unconscious. The guy didn't tap out. He choked him unconscious, left him in the bloody fucking limp on the octagon floor. He looks terrifying. He looks awesome, and he looks like a really good challenge for the for the undisputed Welterweight champ, who's Kamara Usman, who's been like impossible to defeat, undefeated. Um, I guess same thing. He lost his first fight ever, and it has been undefeated ever since. But we've never seen this guy against any real competition. Only up and coming. You know, he's he's never fought a top ten guy yet. He's got this look about him where he looks like he can beat the world, and he trains with a lot of high level UFC fighters who say this guy's a freak. We he you don't know how good he is. We train with him. He's 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 legit. But we haven't seen him tested, so you don't really know because the top five, top ten, top five, especially it's a you know there's levels to this game and it's a different game when you're fighting those guys. And tomorrow he's fighting one of those guys. He's fighting Gilbert Burns, who's number two, ranked number two in the welterweight division. His only recent loss was to the champ, and he he, he put up a good fight, but he did get TKO'd. But he is. A machine. He's got all the experience. He's a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt and gold medalist, and he's got nasty knockout power. He's beat the who's who of welterweights in the last couple of years. Complete machine, cardio machine, power, little nugget of power. Legit, legit. Not many people in the world beat this guy. And they're throwing Hamzat straight to him. He's not getting a top 10 or 15 or top 10 fighter and then working his way up to the top five. He's just getting thrown straight into it. Doesn't happen often, not that quickly. Never happens that quickly. I haven't seen someone jump from his from four fights in the UFC fight and sort of journeyman to getting a number two contender like so it's a massive jump up in competition and experience, and we will see if the hype train is real. And I am excited. I like Gilbert Burns, but I'm all about the exciting prospect fighters. Well, I like Conor McGregor. He's a bit of a dickhead these days, specifically. He does some bad shit. You know, I get it. Um, um, if you hate him, I get it. You know, he's 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 made it easy to hate him, himself over the last few years, especially, but. I love the excitement. If Conor McGregor wins a fight and then where's he going to take it? What's he going to do next? The way he wins fights, it's always spectacular. Uh, it's exciting. And the same with this cat. So I want this cat to win. I want him to, to, I'd be happy to see a good war, but to see him dominate. But I'd be also happy to see him go in there and destroy the dude in the first round like he has with everybody else and be like, give me a title shot. I'm legit. I kind of think... a a few rounds would be good for him. Um, and then to kind of dominate and show off his skill set and get the rounds in because he needs a bit more experience before he fights Kamara Usman. No matter how good you are, experience counts for a lot. Even if you're actually better than the person you're fighting, if they have that much more experience, they know tricks, they know how to survive, they know how to pace themselves, they know how to win, they know how to handle the pressure, all these sorts of things, like it counts. It's a It's a thing. It's a big deal. And Kamar Usman's got all the experience in the world, man. So, I don't know. To have a 15-minute fight with a, a tough Gilbert Burns and come out impressively win like that, I think it's probably going to be better for him at this stage of his career than to go in there and smash him quickly because you're not going to smash Kamara Usman quickly and you need some reps in. So, we'll see what happens tomorrow, but I'm super excited for that, man. Super excited. I just love it. I love it. Love the hype. I love it. Um, yeah, really got into that, I really got excited about that, I'm, I love this shit, man, I love this shit. Things to think on, things to ponder, um, do all birds make nests, 
Like, do they all do it? Because they all they lay eggs, so they need someone to lay an egg. Surely, like, like does a cocky have a nest? You don't really think about them nesting. Like, they're just little mongrels that fly around and make heaps of noise and hang out in big flocks and eat gum leaves and sticks and drop shit all over your car and your driveway and shit on you if you walk underneath the tree. Like, do they nest? They they must. Surely, like, when they lay an egg, they don't just shit it out in mid-flight, just fly along and shit out an egg and yell out, Flap, you cunt! Like... Surely they have a nest somewhere, and there's little baby cockies. You just, I know you just, you don't really think about that, do you? You don't, cockies don't seem like the kind of bird that have a nest, but they must do. Yes. Why does the last five percent of a download take longer than the other ninety-five percent? Like what the fuck? You see, you're downloading something, and it's going. Whoosh, quite quickly oh yeah sweet it'll be done in a couple of minutes flying through it yep 60% 75 sweet 82% 85 90% oh beautiful 95% and then it just sits there it just hits the brakes and the last 5% takes like 10 minutes and you're just thinking what the what the fuck what can't they space it out properly so that it actually, like at 50%, I'm halfway through the download, so I actually, it represents the amount of time and the amount of data that's downloaded. Uh, it, that just pisses me off when that happens. You know what I'm talking about? Does that happen to you? You think you, you're flying through a download and the last 5% just, it's like the, they hit the brakes and you think, is this thing still downloading? And then you can't... You, you don't want to stop it because then you don't want to have to start all the way again so you feel like you're trapped, like you got to go do something else or use your laptop for something or turn it off or go somewhere and you're like, ah, I don't want to stop this thing now because I've invested all this time into the download and it could be finishing like any minute and then like 40 minutes go by and you're like, I've been waiting for it to finish any minute for 40 minutes now and now I've invested even more time into it and you're like held hostage to this bloody thing. Freaking hate when that happens, man. What about, hear me out, especially in a town like Port Edelman where we're, I just read a thing earlier tonight that there's a, a, a like a, an epidemic of of um, childcare shortages in the Pilbara. It's the worst in Australia, or the worst in WA at least, worst in WA maybe it was. And then Port Hedland is the worst in the Pilbara. There's, for every one spot available in town, there's six kids waiting Right. What about opening up a daycare center? Hear me out. It's a daycare center during the week, on the weekdays, and it doubles as a midget community center on the weekends. So you're getting double the amount of money for the one spot. And all the shit is the right size, like little tables and little chairs and little sinks and small cups and low-hanging door handles and shit, low-mounted door handles, like because the midgets are the same size as the kids. And to triple it up and make it more bang for your buck again, you could... The midgets could get, like, free or reduced membership to said community club if they volunteer as carers at the daycare during the week so you can pay them less and the kids would love it they'd be like little midgets to hang out with and look after them they're like the same size as them but they're adults they can like do adult stuff put on videos and shit it's genius like so you have little tables, little chairs, little everything, little kitchens, little low-hanging door handles. And then the kids use it during the week. And then the midgets use it on the weekend as a community centre. And then they volunteer during the week and they look after the kids. You with me? Oh, I've thought about that for years. I guess midgets are a bit hard to find. You'd have to find... 10 or 15 midgets at least to make it worth the while, wouldn't you? You'd have to 
there's definitely not that many midgets in Port Eden. You'd have to uh, attract them here. You'd have to put out like a nationwide advert for midgets or little people, whatever you call them. Is he allowed to say midgets? He's not allowed to say anything anymore, eh? He's not allowed to say so many words. He's not allowed to say. I think I accidentally said gay earlier in the podcast is in like a, a negative term, and that was just and people, anybody that knows me, no, no, do not have an issue with um, people being gay, gay people at all. Don't care. Got some great friends who 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 are gay, male and female. Don't give a shit. I'm not here to insult gay people at at all. It's just the way I grew up. When I grew up, gay was a word that we threw around as like, if someone was being like annoying or or a knob or or um a bit maybe if they were being a bit of a pussy, you'd you'd say you'd call them gay. You'd go, oh, "Don't be gay." Oi, you know, someone took you took something off you like um I don't know you're at school and and someone took your chalk milk off you and you're like oh give me my chalk milk back and they're like nah and they're like trying to keep it off you oh don't be gay give me my chalk milk back like it was just a thing you said and then like got a bit older and again made friends and hang out with people who are gay and realised that yeah they've had a lot of shit thrown at them like verbal shit thrown at them throughout the years and it's been a bit rough for them and stuff like that and you're like oh, okay well I won't talk like that anymore I don't want to Upset people. Same with the F word. You know, you know, stop using that word. When you become a, a an adult, you realise how harmful and hurtful it can be to people. But you really don't mean anything by it, especially the word gay. So I, I did notice I dropped that earlier in the podcast, and I thought, oh, so that might upset some people. But I have it. Come, I think when it comes to like what you say, if you say the wrong thing, you say a word that's not you're not supposed to say, or you say if you were talking to someone who is like transgender and you you misgendered them or dead named them or something like that. Like, I think it really, what people need to do is get away from being so sensitive and so upset, like, uh, recreationally outraged. And, and and it needs to be more about intent. Like, my intent is not to be nasty and hurtful to anybody. And if I said something like I said, oh, yeah, I think, I can't remember exactly what I said, but if I said, oh, you know, fucking that was a bit gay. And someone said, hey, man, what are you saying this is gay for? Like, you fucking... That, that, that upsets me. I'm gay, or my brother's gay, or whatever. I'd be, I would say straight away, "Hey, man, sorry about that. That was a slip of the tongue. Didn't mean to be offensive. Didn't mean in a derogatory term at all. It was just a word that I used to use many years ago, and for some reason, it's still in my subconscious, and it slipped out. And I didn't mean to be offensive. Sorry about that. That was a, a dick thing to, to say. And that should be cool, right? Like you should be able to say that and just move on with it. Um. But there's a lot of snowflakes and petals out there now who, who and people who just enjoy it, I think. But I'm offended now. You said the thing and now you fucking can never be forgiven because you said the thing. And that's just bullshit. That's like people say stupid shit, especially when you talk a lot. Um, it should be down to intent. Like if you think my intent is to be nasty and hurtful and say nasty things, then, I mean, that's, that's different. Then you're a fucking piece of shit. Yeah? <laughs> if you say something... And it's the wrong thing to say, and you upset somebody, and you didn't mean it, and and people can tell you didn't mean it. One, it shouldn't be an issue. But even if they're not sure, and they bring it up, and you explain it, hey man, sorry, didn't mean that. I didn't say we're talking about the trans- transgender thing. Didn't mean to say him when I spoke about you. I know that you're a woman. Uh, um, you know, it was an accident. I just I knew you as a man. And now you're a woman, and sometimes you say the wrong thing. Right? That should be okay. You know, and and it is okay, and people just need to just fucking back up a little bit with all that. Like, you said the wrong thing. You're a fucking horrible person. Now we're gonna persecute you, kind of attitude. Um, and I think that people, because people jump on it so often and so quickly and so vehemently, vehemently, so mm, got myself into a pickle with that word. Vehemently. I feel like I'm halfway or three quarters of the way there, but didn't quite come out right. Vehemently, you know, with much gusto, that um, we'll just circumnavigate that one. Um, 
that then other people shy away from even having the conversations. And this is the whole reason I'm going down a rabbit hole with this right now because, you know, people need to talk about things that you know, it's uncomfortable to talk about and say things that could be construed as being offensive and explain to someone that you're not trying to be offensive so that we can have the understanding that it's about intent. My intent's not to be nasty and hurtful and just and upset people and be an insensitive prick whenever I'm talking about anything. If I'm joking about things, I can be really crude and crass and say whatever I can say to be funny because that's what you do when you're trying to make people laugh. There's a certain audience you try and direct that at, but still the intent is the same thing. The intent is to make people laugh, and if you hurt someone's feelings, you upset somebody, you say the wrong thing, you drop a word, you say, "Oh, that's gay," when you don't mean it, you didn't mean to, you didn't think about it. That's that's the intent. The intent wasn't to hurt somebody's feelings or be rude or be crass or be insensitive. So, I think that's important that we talk about. I think that's important that um, people who like to get recreationally offended about those sorts of things i think that we should probably as a as a community as a culture start calling those people out a little bit and just go come on dude i don't think that's very uh i think that's disingenuous what you're what you're doing there i think you're you're jumping on something for the sake of jumping on something i think you'll enjoy the attention i think you like the, the the power that you get from being able to point at someone and say he said a thing. He's a bad person. Fuck, let's get him. Let's abandon. Let's let's uh, abort him. Let's cancel him. That kind of thing. People just enjoy that shit way too much. And I think it's as a culture, have we had enough of it? Have we had enough of that shit? You know, you know, like the bullying, the virtue signal bullying, uh, that kind of personality. The person that like um, calls somebody an alt right Nazi because they fucking like a note eat meat and have a different political, uh, they eat meat and don't believe in fucking, they don't want to get vaccinated and have a different political agenda to someone else. Like there's a whole, you know, I know that's extreme, but in Australia we probably haven't seen so much of that, but that shit's happened. That shit's happened. There's been like, if you follow the media trends and um, political discussions and what's happened in you know mainstream uh, media and things like that, there's been some crazy labeling of people alt-right nazi is like a a, a term or, or a label that gets attached to people black people have been called that i'm serious and i can't remember the person specifically off the top of my head right now but there's there's been black people in america in in like you know the pu- public figures who've been called alt-right nazis because of some of their political views just because they're kind of more right-wing it's 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 quite crazy, and again, that's far end of the coin. But that is kind of shit that is happening in our culture today. And I think it's it's a as a culture, as a community, we should say we've had enough of that. Have some of those awkward conversations, and people need to put themselves out there a little bit more and go, hey, I'm going to say something that could be construed as inappropriate or slightly offensive to a certain group of people, but I'm saying it with good intent, and I'm just going to put myself out there. And um, on my own little scale, in my own little world, I guess I should do the same thing, put myself out there. Um, So yeah, long-winded way of saying I was aware of the fact that I dropped the old G-bomb talking about something, which I can't even remember what I was talking about now, earlier on the podcast, but that's just life and that's just like shit happens and um, it's just me talking on a microphone, having a couple of drinks and sometimes you say shit like that. And you didn't mean anything by it. And that's what I'm getting at. And on that note, I'm about to go, but I do have to say one thing before I go. Dr. Matty Moore, he's been on the podcast a couple of times. Uh, He is the medicinal marijuana doctor. He's got a practice down in Dunsborough. And they do telehealth, so they deal with patients sort of all around Australia as well. I just found out today, listen to the Grin Reapers podcast. He was on the Grin Reapers podcast. He's going to sponsor, they are going to sponsor the Grin Reapers podcast for a period of time. And he's opened up a new clinic called Mode Health with another couple of guys, a couple of few doctors. 
and they're and they're all in balls deep on this plant medicine uh, medicinal marijuana thing it's taken off they are like a leading force they are the leading force in wa for sure as far as um proper registered doctors prescribing medicinal marijuana for a range of different you know indications and I'm so glad to see it getting some traction. Uh, the Grin Reapers podcast, which is Chris White and Buddha, Whitey and Buddha, um, they made the tension videos back in the, the day. Buddha, uh, sorry, Whitey did make the tension videos back in the day. Uh, it's a pretty big podcast. Now it's getting bigger anyway. Um, so so they're, they're getting a bit more notoriety. Uh, Matty Moore was on there uh, with his business partner, I think it was, and, and um, I've only just started listening to the podcast, but I just heard his name pop up and they said he's going to sponsor the podcast. He's on today having a chat. He's been on my podcast twice and I'm just stoked that he's getting a bit more shine, a bit more um, eyeballs and earballs. Uh, onto his cause and and onto the clinic mode health so check out the grin reapers podcast check out dr manny moore check out mode health on instagram um so cool super passionate about that super passionate about the medicinal marijuana and that movement and hopefully uh, uh eventually australia catching up and making uh weed recreationally legal in australia as well so that's pretty exciting man um i'm super happy about that uh, go to the YouTube channel, check me out. There's a few little more videos popping up on there now lately. Um, I'm working on that. And Broom, there'll definitely be some footage come, coming back from Broom. And uh, that'll be uploaded on there as well. There's a, a nice walkthrough clip of the Norwell Canopy on there. And a few bits and pieces as well, hanging out at the beach with the kids and the family and stuff. So appreciate your time. Thanks for listening. Um, thanks for listening to this average dude ramble on for a good 50 minutes on this Saturday evening. Um, appreciate you. I love you. I'll um, I'll speak to you all. Not next weekend because I'll be in Broome, holidaying, but the weekend after for sure. All right, take it. Uh, take it easy. Peace out, average man. Over and out.